You're listening to Paint the Town Podcast with your hosts. LA Street Art Gallery resident artist, teacher, and founder of LA Street Art Gallery, James Chen of What's up, brother? Good to see you, man. I know, right? Good to actually see people other than who's in your house. Yeah, seriously. I mean, um, today we got a good guest coming on, and he's going to be calling later on at any moment. Professor Jim, man. I love Jim, man. I can't wait to have the little, we have a little recap from his uh, show at the, uh, what's happened, man. Uh, the Oceanside Museum of Art. Hmm. That was all before when times were such simpler, you know what I mean? <laughs> Think back to how crowded it was there, you know? I know, I uh, mean, if, if we could have been passing around the coronavirus, man, you know, this is, you know, during that time. <laughs> Let's see. You don't take it so seriously at this at that point, you know what I mean? When, that was, uh, yeah, I guess technically we could have been. <laughs> it could have been there, really. Uh, to be honest, who knows, you know, I mean, how are you feeling about it lately? You, you know, anxiety kicking off. I mean, you spending time with the kids or. Dude, it's, we're finally, um, there's still some struggles just because the schoolwork that we get on a daily basis that the kids have to be there for, um, and have to accomplish is substantial. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot. Um, plus they have the zoom um classrooms where they actually have to sit there and be present and they get in trouble if they're not there i actually heard this thing about the zoom uh the hackers right did you did you hear about that no well I'll god what now i'll tell you the good story what are they hacking now man <laughs> i'll tell you the good story first okay peyton manning first of all he kind of like joined a random class from his alma mater and oh yeah yes yes i heard that right so, um, you know, that's kind of like a nice surprise, right? So, you, you know, but then, of course, I just read in my local, uh, you know, groups and stuff like that. There's a sixth grade classroom in Yorba Linda, and they're having their Zoom, uh, you know, classroom meeting, right? And all of a sudden, somebody hacks in and starts showing gay porn on the screen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm just saying that's that's it's, really damaging. You know to the that's, that's a new form of graffiti. You know, it's it's cyber graffiti. Uh, I mean, that's really uh, damaging to the kids. But I mean, like, I was just like, oh man, dude. You know what? They've been the whole world has been dealing with coronavirus, right? And then leave it to America for that to first happen. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I you gotta. <laughs> Got a hand, of course, America, man. Of course, you, you know what I mean. It's <laughs> probably some guy in Florida. It's a new low, you, you know. You know, I, I just thought that's kind of interesting. Like I said, there's different sides of the spectrum. You know, there's Peyton Manning, like you know, surprising a class. I think it's like really wonderful. And there's the dudes who are gonna <laughs> show gay porn in a classroom. You, you know what I mean? So, like I said, it's probably some guy in Florida. You know. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, man. I, I always hear these Florida stories, man. And, you know, I feel like, you know. You There's know, a reason why I left. And, yeah, yeah. Um, 
The Redneck Riviera, man. I mean, like you always. Where I'm from, the area that I am from is is called the Redneck Riviera. It's the Panhandle. It's Lower Alabama. Um, but uh, yeah, um, people out there are, are are they taking it seriously? I mean, like you talk to your dad, right? I mean, is he taking it? He's probably living an isolated life, anyways, right? Yeah, like I've said before, dad's loving it. He's a hermit. Uh, that's where I get my ability to be a hermit myself is, uh, is from my dad. That dude, you know, uh, he accidentally face <laughs> he accidentally FaceTimed me the other day. Um, but, you know, now I know that it, it'll actually works on his phone. So now I can FaceTime him, and it's awesome. He loves being able to see me and actually see the kids and stuff. Um, so he finally but, uh, learned it during this time of uh, coronavirus, I mean, and has nothing to do with the coronavirus, basically. Hey, you know what? Necessity, the mother of invention, right? But, um, <laughs> no, he's got, he's got neighbors on both sides of him that are know to include him in anything they can. They, you know, they, they check up on him now. Um, but uh, this, for him, is really nice. He, he, he loves watching TV and going on his walks That's, and going to church. Goes to church on Sunday goes to McDonald's afterwards. And so, you know, just no, no church on Sunday, but um, he's got TV shows that he watches to, for, to take care of the church. So. Um, they put down his church yet? Yeah. Yes, they did. Yeah. I heard well, that, it was, it was because there was some, <clears throat> there was some adultery going on with the, uh, with the minister and the local cardinal cardinal had to get him out of there. Oh, so it doesn't have anything to do with the coronavirus right now? Uh, no, no. The fact that his church is is shut down, um, they had to sell the the place because they built too much. They just kept adding on and adding on and another building and another building. And um, yeah, you know what? Uh, I, you know what? I don't want to say any bad thing about them. You know what? I was just they, saying they, they're shutting they down. got what they had coming to them. You know what I mean? It's... Uh, when you're running a church and um, you know, and you keep building out and building out and building out, uh, you know, um, at some point it's not good. Oh, I see. Yes. Here we are. What's up? <laughs> hey Jim. How's it going? Professor. How's it going? Professor Jim. How's it going, uh, brother? I'm oh, doing. It's so, it's so good to see you, man. Good to see you too. Are you guys holding up? Okay. Yeah, yeah, you know, I was saying to teacher in the last few episodes, a lot of artists, I mean, their lives are kind of unchanged. I mean, you know, they're sitting at home. They don't have a lot of social events to go to except for their own shows, maybe. And then uh, they're used to being a hermit a lot of time in the year, you know what I mean? That is so true. It's just the sales stuff is down and people are exposed to the work. But you're right, studio work doesn't change. It's an introvert's life. Yeah, it's staying at home and uh, uh, being hungry. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a uh, I had an artist residence going on at uh, MRG Gallery in in Sherman Oaks, and that was going to go on for another couple of weeks. But we decided to, you know, uh, we actually called it off like a few days before everything got shut down. Anyway, and um, you know, just going to wait till everything clears back up and then get back to it. But uh, you know, other than that, the, the homeschooling uh, has been humbling with, <laughs> with the twins, yeah. you know. Uh, what's it like at your house, Jim? Well, the kids, start, well, the oldest was studying in Italy for study abroad. She's a sophomore in college, and she was in <sighs> Milan, uh, the epicenter of all of it. And that was back oh. when we thought it was just like the flu, right? And 
people weren't taking it so seriously. So she was there, her school closed down and I was scheduled to go out and visit her at that time. And so rather than go to Milan, I went to Barcelona and we met there and then Trump decided to want to close all the borders <laughs> while we were asleep. So we, we were woke up at like 4 a.m. in the morning with everyone saying Trump's on TV saying he's going to close all the borders like by Friday. Oh boy. Yeah, so we were on a get back immediately. We d we went to the UK the next morning and we were there for 2 days and that's when our plane was supposed to leave from London and then they closed the borders with the UK like that Monday. But the yeah. homeschool the the younger two are it's going fine. They they're they're a little bit older, the middle school and high school, so they're handling it well. How was the uh, airport uh, when you got back? Was it a uh, chaos or was it a uh, ghost town? It surprisingly wasn't that bad in LAX. We waited for basically maybe a half hour. Okay. And there wasn't okay. any extra screening or anything like that. The problem was when we were leaving London, the folks at the gate were asking, and the people who just work at the airline were asking where we traveled, asking if we'd been in any of these other countries. Meanwhile, they're flipping through our passports, like trying to catch us. And, you know, the right answer is, no, I haven't been anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, they don't have the right to ask that, so they, they let you through. But they did pull people aside or they wouldn't let them on the plane if they had been in certain countries. I wow. said, what are they going to do to them? It seems to just quarantine them or something like that. Yeah, just ask him. you know, I, I don't know what the deal was other than that, you know, sorry. This way, we got some nice little uh, bracelets for you. We'd like to, a gift for you to, we'd like for you to put them on now if you don't mind. And yeah, exactly. Seriously. Come this way with us. This way. Here, put this little mask. There you go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. And just and sit here. Just sit here. How long? No, don't. Don't ask questions. <laughs> it, was, it was, it definitely was weird. It felt like a, like a, you couldn't believe this type of thing was happening. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. Your first pandemic, huh, Jim? Yeah, first one for me. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just getting back from Brazil, too, at that time, um, right before. And uh, it seemed like it was pretty, uh, there you go. You dropped yeah. for a second, it kind of switched positions. Um, oh yeah, man, I got Getting back from Brazil for a second and it's LAX seemed like pretty normal. They just asked me a couple questions too. And okay. so, uh, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we're all managing. So, but you know what, let's not just make our focus about the coronavirus this whole episode, man. There's a few things I wanted to, you know, we want to recap more. about what you had going on at the Oceanside Museum of Art, my friend. And that. I want to hear about Barcelona, too, because uh, you took some amazing pictures. And, you know, as a, a art professor, I feel like, you know, we should definitely take some notes down right here from uh, some of your insights. But, yeah, let's talk about the Oceanside Museum first, man. That was an amazing show, man. And, man, I think that was like the most popping thing going on in, <laughs> in Carl's uh, or Oceanside that day, man, because there were so many people there. And, uh, oh, you know, by the time we left, there were still new people coming in, man. I'm like, is this a nightclub or an art show, man? You, you know, because there were people away, too. I loved it. It was very exclusive. You know, if you if you didn't sign up for it, you couldn't, you, you got to come back and take a look later, too. So, uh, you know, we just want to thank you for letting us have the opportunity, Jim, to uh, uh, do the podcast on site, man. Oh, I was so glad you guys were there. It was super fun. That was just, it was, that was like what openings were meant to be as a celebration, it's a party, um, showcasing, showcasing artists and just getting people excited about something. I, I love it. It was I, I, lying around the block, which is crazy. Yeah. Like, people <laughs> waiting 
to get into Oceanside Museum of Art. I mean, it made me so happy and it felt like you're contributing towards the local culture and, you know, my new neighborhood. And I, I, it was just, it was a super blast. New friends. We got there early. We got there early. And um, just because <laughs> one of my biggest pet peeves is, is to have to drive somewhere in LA and make it there just in time. <laughs> so I made sure I got there very early. And so, you know, we were there before anyone even started showing up, right? And so just because some of the shows that I had been to previously had not seen that many people show up, mm -hmm. um, I was not prepared for the intensity and, and the amount of people that, that showed up. It was, it was so, so amazing how packed that place got. Um, <clears throat> I, was, I was very, very, uh, very impressed. You know, it's just, it's a small town. It's Oceanside, you know, and um, what would you say Oceanside is like, you know, the community of Oceanside, the people there? Yeah, Oceanside, it's interesting. It's this, um, it's almost like this forgotten beach town because it has this military presence, uh, a bit of a blue collar presence. Uh, um, it's probably the forgotten, you know, city in all of North County and San Diego because it's so far away from you know, San Diego Central, so it's a little lost up there. But I always think it's a gem. It's a, it's, in a way, it's a land that time forgot because there's so many older businesses and mom and pop type shops and the city centers is amazing. Like all those government buildings are all just located in one central place and the museum is stuck there right in the middle. So it's a beautiful little design and I, I think it's one of those gems, uh, special gems and there's nothing like it in North County. There's not another museum like that in Northern San Diego. And because it's like, it's basically almost equidistant from, you know, maybe Northern, Southern LA County and downtown San Diego. So it, it serves a, a pretty nice population if they, you know, if you get the shows right. Well, you got the show right, my friend. You had like some huge, some big hitters. I mean, uh, just, I mean, first of all, my favorite, Robbie Connell. <laughs> um, I mean, I, it was funny because we, we were able to get him over for a few minutes for, for an interview. And I'm usually really good about not fanboying about anybody, dude. I've met everybody. I've met four-star generals, you know, whatever. And, and have kept my shit together. I lost my shit with Robbie Conal, man. He, he caught at one point, he called himself Papa Smurf. And I was just like, <laughs> James, had, James ended up having to ask the questions. You know what I mean? I was just like going, <laughs> To me, it was so cool because the demographic of normally what you would consider people, some people in the art community may consider uh, street art like lowbrow or something like that, you know, and, but the demographic of Oceanside definitely is not someplace you would expect that it would be a show that would be thriving to that point, basically, you know, so I really thought it broke some barriers in Southern California, you know, it was really like a, a uh, historic moment for street art, at least in Southern California, I feel, you know, because it's really opening it up to a broader demographic, in my opinion. Yeah, I got the very conservative feel when I, you know, like I said, I was there early, so I took like a little, you know, drive just around the area, um, grab something to eat, and, you know, very clean and neat and pristine, and, you know, uh, wouldn't surprise me if it was Republican and, and just, you know, very conservative. Uh, so, that was one of the reasons why I was like, 
man, I hope people show up for Jim, man. I love this guy and everything, but <laughs> God, this place looks conservative, man. He's got this sidewalk art activism going in here, man. I don't know. Woo! <laughs> Are they going to show up? But man, boy, did they ever, dude. And like that I said, awesome. the art, it just looked like it belonged in there in a museum, including yours, Tish. You know, it was so well curated, man. So big ups to you, Jim, and props, man. It was just a wonderful experience. And, uh, you know, I'm really happy that we can even just be on site because I felt like, ah, there's people trying to get in and, you know, they can't even get in. <laughs> you, you know, so I yeah. felt pretty, it I felt, got a question uh, for you, just so people have an idea. When did you start preparing for that show? Roughly about two years ago. So it was a long time. Uh, and, you know, the, the early parts of a, a museum show are more political and trying to introduce. I can't even imagine. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and making sure that there's trust. Obviously, I'm an unknown to them or, you know, you, they, we don't have personal relationships. So it's a little bit like dating to make sure that personalities will work. They don't want to invite somebody that's going to run amok, can't handle a budget. Uh, someone who's going to follow through with plans, et cetera. Plus, you're introducing a whole new group of artists that they're not familiar with. And so uh, they, they really want trust with the curator that if things go wrong, you know, can they trust the person to come alongside and understand how an institution works? So I tried to ease all their fears as being a dean and a professor and working in several museums along the way that I want to make a, a great show for them. And, you know, it's not a good show for the artist, but it's not a great show for the, the museum as well. What yeah. was their response? What was, how did the museum feel? They, uh, and th we took a liking to each other instantly. I think I said the right things. I think working in museums, I understand the pressure uh, that they're under all the time, the budgets, how tight they are, uh, and how they don't really want people coming and telling them their business, because they know their business better than anybody else. And you know so, the right things to say. Yeah, and I, and I said, I understand that. And I said, trust me, I will be the easiest curator you've ever worked with. Uh, and, and, like and, and, there, and there were bumps along the way. And, and, and with anything in life, you, you handle them together. And I just you try to decrease the stress in the room and help people through it. So, uh, you know, it's, it's was not. There ever, was there ever a moment where uh, you felt like, you know what, this might not work? There were a few moments when we were installing and uh, the museum and some of the folks actually saw the artwork and realized how political it was. <laughs> like, you know, all of a sudden it becomes real. Uh, that, you know, at first it's like, wow, this is gonna be so cool. Have, all these people have followings, it's gonna be edgy. And then it comes in and you're like, oh my gosh, it's really edgy. What do we do? <laughs> and it's, it's like, all right, you know, it's like, we knew what we were getting into, but it's going to be worth it. I promise you it's going to be worth it. It's those sort of conversations. And, you know, trust me, we're, we're going to be okay. And then when opening uh, night happened, everyone knew it was okay because they hadn't seen crowds like that. The, the docents basically were saying, I've never seen crowds this big before at the museum. So, Jim, I mean, were those all your friends that you just called up? <laughs> I, I have five friends. <laughs> I'm a professor. I, I'm about the same, my friend. I, I've got about this many actual people that I can really call true friends, you know what I mean? That a lot of people that I love and love to be there for and everything, do whatever I can for. But yeah, dude, when it comes to actual friends, woo. Well, Jim, yeah. I'm, you I'm, know, it's, that's, the power, that's the power of group shows, though, right? It's everyone's collective networks and 
all the artists involved. Well, but Jim, also, uh, just so people know, uh, how many books is it you have now that, that are yeah. uh, involved street art? How many folks are involved in street art? No, no. How many books oh, have book. you oh, done boy. now that have street art involved? Uh, I think five or six, something like that. Okay. So <laughs> this, when, this is another reason why this guy right here was able to pull some of the, the the big people that he was able to pull is you know when you've written that many books about street art people recognize the the effort that he's putting behind it and and you know it's like that's where you get the respect um that's why jim's one of our uh, uh you know the recurring guests on our show you know you know what i mean um the show's grown quite a bit i mean it doesn't seem like dude, now that we can do this quarantine now that the zoom the zoom, you know i don't mind i don't mind plugging zoom dude i mean they were they were struggling for a while like i don't know how long and then all of a sudden like they're overnight <laughs> uh success but um just to be able to do this is is uh you know awesome um oh, what are you doing oh oh you're doing your fancy stuff now huh yeah so basically i'm just saying like we can actually if you guys end up having a deep art conversation about an artist i can actually you know pull it up and uh talk to you guys you know so we have a immediate visual reference so it's just something cool that uh you know we're able to do so um so just going back to recap like we had snyder on the show inside um at, at the oceanside this is at the oceanside museum of art right there too and we uh you know talked about some good old times uh a beef with lister mm -hmm. and uh you know we were able to have a few other um artists right on the spot we had uh you know plastic jesus we had uh sketchy we had og mike giant and also robbie canal when uh teacher fanboyed out you know yeah okay yes okay we mentioned that i i, I pressed great. up to it <laughs> I, listened, I listened to those almost right afterwards it was really it brought it was nice to hear the hum of the crowd in the background uh, you guys did a great job with those interviews thank that you was, so much dude and, that was all to this guy right here i mean all the the, the setup that we brought with us and everything we got to shout out um, I was, to Chris too, because she was a, a producer that day. But, you know, this is the thing, Jim. I mean, we really just enjoyed doing events, you know, and then uh, we'd love to work with you more, man, because especially like, you know, it's, we don't have any credibility like like you do, you, you, you know. <laughs> so, so you know, we, we kind of just, uh, like I said, it was amazing to be able to talk to Robbie Canal. I, I mean, I could I could imagine some of the the guests at the party when they were looking at how political some of the uh, <laughs> some yeah. of the the pieces were uh, you, you know especially his right so I don't know I just thought it was such a, a wonderful night you know and I had such good times thank you again yeah of yeah. course like I said I appreciate you guys being there and, and the best part is hearing all the reactions as people look at the work and it's always surprising who reacts to what I, I did a tour with all the docents that do. They they did the tours for the months afterwards, and they tend to be uh, a lot of senior citizens, and they loved Robbie's work because they recognized all the political figures from all these decades, mm. and they were cracking up. They thought it was absolutely hilarious, and it, which is the right response. It's the, yes. the humor to lower any sort of like guard you have to engage with some other view that, you know, all of a sudden you can you can start thinking about. So it was great. Yes, I, I love Smurf, man. He's, uh, you know, taking the next level, man. So. Yeah. <laughs> but let me ask you, how many of these uh, people that come up to you um, when you start talking about street art and do they say, like Banksy? Is that their first thing that they always say to you? Just curious, because I hear that all the time, you know. Yeah. And I just nod my head and said, yes, like Banksy. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It's usually usually is Banksy or it's some obscure person that they followed. You know, they saw someone do work in, on a sidewalk sometime. Yeah, yeah. Like teacher maybe. <laughs> yeah. No, or they, you know, the guy who has the buckets and he spray paints globes around them, or you know, solar system or something in Santa Monica. Oh. Okay. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It's usually it's usually Banksy, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. I've I've gotten used to sort of the at every sort of level of aesthetic development and how folks engage. And it's something I try to get my students to understand is that most of the folks you engage with in the world are gonna be a level one or level two sort of at aesthetic development, which means they're gonna be emotionally uh, connected to work of art and they want to relate it to some sort of story or they wanna relate the work of art to some other sort of level of success in their own life. Like it takes hard work to make something or it takes a lot of time to do something, uh, or if it's realistic, or if it's very realistic, that's how they judge quality. And so Banksy fits perfectly. Actually, a lot of street art does too, because it's so realistic and you get it right away, which is one of the reasons I like it, um, because it, it gets those sort of intro folks, the newbies uh, at looking at art interested, and you can take them further once. So if someone knows Banksy, great. That means they've looked at art and you can take them someplace else. Awesome. Now, let me ask you now. So, on the on the curve, we, I, I don't know how many exponential curve graphs I've been looking at the past few days. Maybe that's like why my mind is in this mode, basically. But on the curve of how popular street art has been, um, let's just say, uh, you know, starting from the Robbie Canal days, how on a scale of, uh, you know, one to ten, how popular do you think it is in social, you know, culture right now? Yeah, it feels very popular. It certainly had a, I think it had like a, a peak and uh, culture uh, a few years ago. I mean, when there were so many big museum shows, so many publications, there was a TV show, right? And there were so many folks practicing it. So I definitely feel like it's ticked down since then. Mm -hmm. um, that was maybe around 2010 or something, uh, yeah. say, basically. Yeah, those, I feel like that was like the heyday where there were probably more street artists working than any other time in history. Uh, but it also has still continued to be a very relevant uh, subculture genre. I would call it a genre of art, especially since there's a, the auction houses have a, a genre for it, calling it urban art. Uh, so it's definitely it's it's definitely ticked up since the late '70s when the term street art was crystallized. Uh, and it's uh, while it's kind of gone up and down, I would say it. it it went up in the 80s and I think it ticked down a little bit in the 90s and then in the 2000s it slowly tick tick ticked up until you get to that 2010 peak I think and it's come down a little bit so that's how right. I think of it. That reminds me I, I met a guy at the um, at the opening at the Oceanside Museum of Art and um, it was one of the most interesting comments of the the whole visit that I had there people I met that I didn't know um, just a, a random guy that I started talking to a very conservative fella and he said that, um, you know, uh, he was there um, actually supporting his wife. And um, he said, you know, um, each civilization is going to be judged based on the art that they produce. And I was like, wow, that's interesting, man. Yeah. So when you're talking about how, you know, street art, when it started coming about and everything, and then it had its peaks and everything. You know, what does that say about a civilization when that type of genre is having its peak or its valley? Yeah, I, I, I like to think that it's, uh, it's a culture. I think we're a culture that's hungry for art and we're hungry for visual imagery. We want to make meaning out of things. 
and we're frustrated with the gallery and museum folks that have basically run things for most of the 20th century. Uh, art has become a, a very elitist tool. It's something that uh, a certain culture seems to command and, um, and play with, you know, almost like a, with like a commodity in some cases. And so street art, I love calling it the art of the people because it meets us where we are every day, you know, and, and you don't need any of those walls or barriers or institutions or people to get to it. And it's free for all. You don't need a book. You don't need to read anything by me. You don't need or a certain to time of day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what's great about it. I mean, it's, it is, it's, and it's accessible. It's, 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 it's not obtuse. It's not minimalism. It's not highly conceptual. It can be but often it's not. And so I think that says something about where we are in history and why, why we're attracted to that kind of art. I think we're kind of tired of the highfalutin um, art world. I gotta tell you, I think that it, um, it's interesting with the pandemic coming around now, I feel like it's gonna change some things. Um, already the, one of my galleries, one of the top galleries in, in LA, the, Bruce Lurie Gallery has shut down. Wow. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of others that are going to follow. Mm -hmm. Now, um, when it comes to museums and, you know, um, bigger galleries, uh, you know, you got to figure at some point, you know, they're going to they're gonna have to take, something's going to happen. Something's going to be a little bit different, like the spacing and everything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, what kind of a long-term effect you know, I, I think, well, I should say, I feel like this is going to maybe um, help give another rise to, to, to art done in the streets and, and public art. Yeah. Graffiti has certainly, uh, I, I've been seeing, I mean, just driving along the 10, just down, you know, I, I've been seeing a lot of throwies and a lot of crazy graffiti going up because I think there's just less people out right now. And these guys mm -hmm. can really take their time. And yeah. Interesting. <laughs> That's amazing. But people need to be heard, right? You know, you're locked up inside. It's the same sort of thing, like the rise of um, sort of these voices with the original graffiti writers, um, sort of in Philadelphia and New York in the early 20th century. It's, these are people that wanted a voice, you know, they felt like they weren't being heard. And I, I can see something similar happening, right? We're all locked up and so to speak. And it seems like we're only hearing a few voices nowadays. <laughs> You know, whether it's Donald Trump every morning or whoever is on the, in the media uh, and it's, you know, your local governor or mayor or whatever. And so I can see artists uh, taking control of that. I, I mean, we're, I was watching Contagion the other day and Robbie Canal was in it. They had a... They Contagion, had a, what's that? Posters. That's the uh, movie where the, uh, the virus, it's a virus movie, right? It starts with um, a bat uh, dropping a banana and a pig eats it and Matt Damon's in it and his wife dies within three or four days, et cetera. And it, oh and God, I don't need to be watching shit like that. Yeah, right yeah. So but <laughs> basically all the society's like dying. Everyone's locked up. Everyone's staying home. They're rationing everything. And they show all the street art. And Robbie Canal did a bunch of posters for the movie. And so it's, it's, it's really interesting <laughs> how art mirrors life, right? And, and will we see something like that if we get to a point and will we see artists rise up and feel like, hey, we need to hear alternative voices from the things that we're hearing every day? Yeah, I've been, I mean, I've had some pieces come out of me, you know, uh, having to do with, you know, the, the pandemic. Um, I did the, 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 the TP guy, I call him, you know, with, uh, mm -hmm. with the toilet paper and the, and the jacket. Um, 
and uh, the uh, the turtle with the Capitol building on its back. Yeah. And then um, actually just made these little guys, um, calling them <clears throat> pandemic pups. Uh, see these little guys? Yeah. I saw those online. That's great. Jim, uh, are these the uh, uh, Robbie Canal posters for uh, Contagion, basically? Yep, those are them. Awesome, awesome. See, look at that. Technology. Just like that. Just it's like that. It looks like a lot like the Reagan poster he did in the 80s uh, that said uh, a contradiction. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's I mean, what, are you, what are you doing watching Contagion during this time? Are you trying to scare your kids or what's, what's, what's going on? <laughs> I think my wife and I have watched every sort of virus epidemic movie recently. <laughs> I don't know. I counted as research. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not a bad thing right there. Yeah. I want, I want to be with all the hit. You know, this is, this is the thing these days, you know, because like air fingers are back. That's right. Um, <laughs> You know, I feel like Jim right now, he's, Professor Jim right now, he's, you know, away in some shelter, especially if I look at the camera right now, you know, he's in some Very underground good. shelter with his family, just, <laughs> you know, dodging the virus, watching virus movies. Yeah. Yeah, and we got two years of toilet paper here. We're good. <laughs> good. Good. That's a, that's a hot commodity in some places. You know? It's crazy how people are reacting. Huh? We think that's the weirdest thing. I can't believe people <laughs> I was actually reading about it and they said that it is actually, um, they did a study or I don't know, some people did some studies and they said it's actually a form of retail therapy to the max actually, because mm. you're buying something to comfort yourself, but you really, we're such soft people. We have no idea what to do during the apocalypse. So we basically just get toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. so I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, point of view on it, you know, but hey, one, I wanted to actually ask you about Barcelona too, because I mean, come on, it's such a, a architecturally uh, beautiful city, you know. Um, and uh, I, I've been a lot there of Gaudi. Yeah, and uh, you know, Teach, you've been there before, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so all three of us have been there before, man. And what's your uh, point of view on uh, uh, Barcelona? Just curious, as a professor. Absolutely loved it. So I read Gaudi's biography when I was there, and then made it a point basically to jog around the entire city. And so I was able to visit uh, the park city designed all the various apartments. And of course, um, you know, his, his chapel, which is incredible. I've never seen the inside of a chapel that's so glorious and beautiful and looks like it was growing from the inside as though it was reaching up towards the heavens and pushing the roof higher and higher and higher. Uh, and the, the stained glass, one side, all, basically primary colors, moving from blues to yellows to reds. Uh, it, was, it was absolutely glorious. I, I, was, I was dumbfounded and still sort of marvel at the photographs and couldn't be happier with that visit. And there they, you can see it. The, Are they still building on it? Or was it in any kind of repair or anything like that? So yeah, so got it. when he took it over, he, as uh, the architect, he knew that the, the project would outlast his life. And they are still building it. It's still under construction, and they're still following closely uh, a lot of Gaudi's original plans. And when you're inside, you wouldn't be able to tell that it's still under construction. But on the outside, they're basically still building four very tall spires that are each going to have an, an or a symbol for each of the Gospels on each of them that will light up 
uh, from within. Uh, so it, 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 is, it is a feat. Uh, as James is going through, you can see a little bit of the video here. Any idea when uh, do they have a projected finishing date? Yeah, I, I seem to recall it was about 15, 15 years or so. I mean, it's, it's still over a decade before it's going to be finished. Oh, uh, wow. But that's still, I mean, you know, when it comes to the magnitude of what that thing is, um, you know, to only have to wait another 15 years, I'm down, man. You know, that means I'm going to be, uh, what, 65 years old, 66 and, years old. But dude, I, I cannot I wait to see that thing when it's finished. Yeah, I wonder how realistic that date is, because right? even Gaudi <laughs> said, you know, it's a symbol of Spain, it's a symbol of Barcelona, and it should never be finished building, as though you should always be working on it, uh, like anything, any, uh, you know. It'll I, always be in repair. Anything that, that is, <laughs> any, like even a fraction of that size is always going to be having to have something repaired or maintained or whatever, but yeah, something that size is is always always going to be in repair but um yeah i mean that's that's awesome to think that it's that they're going to be building on it probably continuously yeah it is pretty special uh, and i had never been to barcelona in general but i found it to be just an amazing city so love about it. the food i mean i'm always talking about the food so i mean i, I found barcelona food the tapas you know just like, it's so good. You know, you just drink red wine and then you just eat these like little snacks that are like, you know, I call it like Spanish dim sum, you know, basically. And you just eat it and uh, it's so delicious, man. What did, did you try? Spanish dim sum? <laughs> well, yeah. No, but you're right. I mean, the tapas is great because you go to, you know, cafe or a bar and they, they lay them all out and you take, you know, one or two or three or five and take them back to your table and they're all so delicious whether it's the hams or the, the different types of meats the desserts obviously all the bread uh, i tried the uh um jamon iberico oh yeah <laughs> you know what that is teacher did you try it basically well, well, i'm sorry what did you call it it's kind of like spanish prosciutto basically it's called jamon iberico so <clears throat> jamon is kind of like a special it's just ham basically right but jamon right. iberico basically are these pigs that live on ibiza that just eat like black walnuts for life and then they make them into like the jamon you know or something like that man so it's just you know melt in your mouth like paper thin slices of uh mm -hmm. you know my mouth is salivating right now as we as we talk about it man <laughs> so good and there's no, I don't, I don't, I don't remember having that there. What I do remember discovering when I was there, which was actually <laughs> back in 1992, I was there in 1992, um, doing some, uh, some catalog photo modeling, fashion modeling at the time, and um, got there right when um, the Olympics had just finished, and they had the Para Olympics going on. Hmm. and the place where I was staying, I could actually walk to where the, they were having the events. Mm -hmm. And so I actually walked down this one day. I remember um, watching ping pong, this, these handicapped guys playing ping pong, okay? Hmm. Like one guy had like um, only, I think, half a leg, and uh, I think the other guy was in a wheelchair. And I used to be pretty good at ping pong. We had a ping pong table at my house when I was growing up and everything. And so even still this day, I'll kick both your asses. <laughs> um, but 
these guys were, you know, Paralympic guys, and they, they could have wiped my ass all over the place. They were amazing. Mm. I just, I remember sitting there just going, holy cow. Like, you know, right before they got started playing, I'm thinking, okay, how competitive is this game going to be? You know, like, and then I'm going, holy shit, I can't. I got to watch this until it ends, man, because this is a fucking nail biter, man. You know? Um, but so that's, that's when I was there. And so the, um, the, uh, the La Sagra de Familia, mm -hmm. um, was, uh, was nowhere near, you know, um, the, it, I mean, it was the, the, some of the towers, they were starting to build the towers and everything, mm -hmm. but, um, I only saw it from a distance, uh, that, time I was too young to I saw you know when saw some of the Gaudi buildings and stuff like that but I was a little bit more involved in partying and chasing girls than than the arts at that time you know as a model I mean, give me a break so um, <laughs> it, uh, it was some different focus going on at the time but yeah, um, yeah dude I, I look forward to uh, to going back that is is one of my favorite places in the world and and plus you could take a train to uh, Sieges did you go to Sieges no. It's a little uh, beach town that is, um, I'd say, probably about maybe 40, 45-minute train ride okay. um, outside of uh, Barcelona. And uh, that was where I went to the first topless beach that I ever went to in my life. <laughs> hey, let me ask you real quick. Um, at the Sagrada Familia, uh people a lot of people don't know it's there's so many like like teach said it's just like there's a beach there you, you know what i mean there's like it's just the dynamic of the city it's like so crazy to me you know yeah. which did you get to experience all that or did, i saw you went to a different um art gallery called uh the you know oh. Picasso, right yeah juan moreau uh that's uh his foundation yeah and i went to the picasso museum as well so yeah, I mean the city's the city's built up on each other, and so you, it's I mean if you're just, I'm sure people just live in their little square of the city, and the beach is really nice there, and there's lots of architectural highlights on the beach too. I mean they have a a Frank Geary um, sculpture on one of the buildings, one of those fish he did the, you know the uh, downtown L.A. Uh, concert hall. Uh, mm, I so, saw really yeah so it's it's. He, so yeah, I mean it's um yeah, I, I I think you're you're right. I think any sort of major metropolitan city people don't know how rich the arts are, but anytime I go somewhere, you know, that's I hunt it out and I want to see everything. It's just it's just part of it. I can't leave without seeing it all. That's wonderful. Um you know, what what other things did you take away from uh, Barcelona? I mean, in terms of uh uh, the people. Did you get to talk to anybody uh, in the arts there, or uh, you know, just anybody on the street, basically? Yeah, we just. I mean, it's none of. Actually, I was surprised that the museums weren't as they weren't as busy. Which uh, I was told that you had to reserve tickets way in advance because they sold out and whatnot. But you know, they're relatively free. But I think that had something to do with a lot of the issues that were looming in the air. Uh, around Italy and France and about the coronavirus and what was happening. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, even in, in, in Spain, it was in Madrid at that time. But, uh, you know, they're very proud. They're, they're, especially in Barcelona, they're very proud of their culture, their history, and who they are as Catalonians and, uh, and see themselves as quite distinct from the rest of the folks in Spain. And so in talking with folks who are not from Barcelona, they can definitely feel that. 
They don't feel as though they're part of that culture. They always feel like outsiders. And so there is a, there are some distinctions there. Uh, and so they some of the, a different language, right? They're actually Catalonians, right? That's so right. That's um, exactly yeah, right. they actually, uh, you know, have a different flag. And I always find that strange. It's like mm -hmm. uh, the U.S. media, we love to talk about certain areas that want independence. And right. then we, we love to not talk about certain areas like in Spain that uh, oh, dude, when I was there, they were actually protesting and striking in the streets. They were going crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and I, they would, they would, it would start with a soccer game. It would start with a soccer game. And then um, I remember I was staying in this, uh, in this hostel, um, like a little hotel. Um, and my tiny little balcony that I had, um, I could look down the little side street. And we were right along the Ramblas. Um, and holy cow, man, uh, there were um, people running up and down the alley, cops chasing them in cars up and down these alleys, and then people throwing Molotov cocktails, mm -hmm. oh my fire God. all over the place. Now, yeah. this is one thing that, that blew my mind, okay? I remember seeing this one night. Um, I had, <laughs> uh, I was able to find some hash over there, and so I, I just would, at the end of the day, when I was tired of doing everything, I'd just hole up in my room, and I could sit on my bed, I could touch my sink, I could touch the, the door to the room, and I could touch the, the window. This is how tiny the room was. <laughs> it's a closet. There, I smoked a little hash, and I stuck my head out the window. My little balcony was about a foot and a half out and about maybe 30 inches wide. And I looked down and just remember seeing all this fire and trash and people chasing and cops chasing people and stuff like that. And then thinking, man, that's going to look like, like, you know, the apocalypse tomorrow morning, man. I can't, I'm going to go to bed and get up and I'm going to go check this out in the morning, right? Dude, it was spick and span in the morning. It wow. was tight. It was all cleaned up. It looked like nothing even happened. Wow. Keep that area really clean, that main street. Let's rumble us what you're talking about, right? <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. The hash was good, but it wasn't that good. Dude, I saw, like, the amount of fire. Like, I remember fires. I could see a fire down the, the street onto the Ramblers where there was like a big pile of something and there's a fire right there and people throwing stuff on it and everything, cars zooming by, cops chasing people and stuff. You know what I'm thinking? Yeah, teach. Well, I better not call my parents and tell them about this, man. They're going to be like, dumb home. Oh my God. Yeah. You know? that <laughs> sounds scary. But even now, I mean, there's graffiti all over the city. I was just about to ask you. Everywhere. You can't go on any block and it's not full of graffiti and there's lots of symbols for revolution. So it looks like the, um, you know, the ribbon that we do for fallen veterans or fallen military folks, they have a similar symbol for the revolution. So it's interesting to see that stuff everywhere you go. So while teachers saw like physical things happening, it, you see it in the evidence in the writing on the streets. So I, I could totally see how that, that would happen. That was not like that when I was there. there. I don't remember seeing any, any kind of, when you're saying graffiti, are you talking about like throwies? Um, or yeah, I'm talking tags. Yeah, right. Tags and throwies. Okay. Yeah. Um, in Spain, actually, I feel like they definitely do limit some of the information you can search on the internet, too, because if you want to go in there and uh, look up some, um, I forgot the name of the, uh, the dictator that was involved in Spain, but it's actually quite hard to find when, when uh, anyways, let me look that up. Uh, but like I said, I think that there's a lot of street art going on in Barcelona as well, too. Um, you know, a lot of people were connected with them to uh, Street Art BCN. Basically, if you want to check them out, 
okay. take a look. Um, but yeah, let me look that up. But uh, yeah, people don't really talk about Catalonia wanting to be an independence, basically, in American media at all. You, you know, I think that's most Americans don't don't realize that, you know, Madrid is a completely separate state than Barcelona. Yep, exactly. Absolutely. And they do have some nice curated areas for street art and graffiti, both, that as you walk around the city. So they do seem to embrace it in, in parts. But yeah, the, the throw-ups and the, the tags are something... And even the stickers on everything. There's stickers on everything, wow. which is really wonderful. I love it. I love seeing it, but it's it, it's so strange. Like every single block. It's I, not I, the main street that they keep beautiful, like Teach said, though, right? Yeah. If you're going into the main park where they had, uh, you know, the uh, the World's Fair, you know, and all those buildings, they're they're really right. nice. But yeah, everything else. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, who I was talking about was uh, Franco, basically, too. I was in Spain, and I was just trying to look up some information, just kind of read up on the history. And you, yeah. it, it was interesting. I, I, it was hard to find a lot of, a lot of stuff yeah. while I was there. You know? so, and people don't talk about that ever, basically. Well, uh, they can't, because they can't find any info. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You know? It's repressed. Their information yeah. is repressed over there. Yeah, definitely. And I, I just think it's, uh, it's quite interesting. You know, we love to talk about certain um, areas that want independence in our American media. While, yeah. you know, Catalonia, for the longest time, these guys are like, well, hey, we're half French. <laughs> you know, we, we, yeah. we have uh, better wine and we don't kill. It's not Barcelona, it's Barcelona. <laughs> T-H, Barcelona. It goes back so far. Gotti was that way too. He was part of clubs and architectural societies that were basically celebrating the history and culture of Catalonia. You know? It, yeah, yeah. He definitely. And you know what? One of the things that I mean, it's tragic how he died, but he was actually on mushrooms when he died. Is that? Is that? I, didn't know that. I had no idea. <laughs> well, they didn't mention that in his book. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. I mean, dude, you look at his stuff, and that's you know. Well, this yeah. is what I heard. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his stuff, it's definitely very psychedelic, right? And then. Uh, from the tour guy I had, basically, he was, you know, on one of his strolls one day and based on mushrooms, and then he got hit by one of the trains, actually, there, and that's how he yeah, got Yeah, I, I do know he got hit by the train. I didn't know yeah. he, um, I See, he was a very strict Catholic, though. I mean, he, he restricted his diet. He would dip uh, his lettuce leaves in milk, uh, and so he was, he was very sort of thin and weak and frail. So if he did do anything like that, it, it would have been natural, you know, it wouldn't have been so I but I don't know. I, I couldn't comment. I don't I don't I don't know enough about it, but he well, was, the he was are natural, right? <laughs> he, he was eccentric and he was weird. He was definitely strange. Oh, you know he, what? That's right. That's where that happened. Oh, my gosh. OK, I just you flashed I just remembered an experience I had when I was in Barcelona. Um, yeah. Uh, at that time, like I said, I was doing some modeling. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that uh, they would do is they would, they would invite a bunch of models to one of the dance clubs, one of the big, big dance clubs. Yeah. And um, so you would get in for free. You wouldn't have to wait in line or anything like that. And you drink for free. And all you do is you just hang out. So um, I'm hanging out in this club and uh, I meet this girl, right? Hot looking girl. Don't even, you know, it's just like looking at each other type of thing, like throughout the night, right? And then right towards the end of the night, you know, just found, oh my gosh, I'm standing right next to her at the bar, right? And um, finally worked the courage up to say hi, you know, because in my mind, I'd already worked this out as amazing, you know, whatever. And 
when she said hi back, the voice was deeper than mine. <laughs> Are you flashing back to some uh, horror stories from Barcelona that you want to share with the therapist? <laughs> no, it's like the crying game. You know, oh. this is right around that time where, like, you know, I, and I looked down and, I, and the next thing I saw was hand. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, that's some Gaudi right there. Yeah, I'm waiting for you to finish telling you your uh, transgender story so we can talk about if it's possible. No, what I was reading, Jim, is that, uh, <laughs> that uh, you know, because this great, is like... Great segue. Great segue. <laughs> did you go to the park and did you see uh, some of these uh, some of these other designs, like uh, this one right here? Basically, did you go to that park? I don't know. I just thought it was like really, really psychedelic, a lot of his designs, you know? Um, yeah, definitely. Well, and these uh, these sort of uh, the mosaic where it's a, it's cut and or bro it looks like broken stone or glass. Yeah. Or like when he was a young kid, he was uh, very interested in sort of rebuilding one of the local churches when he was like just a teenager. So this idea of taking rubble and trying to repair is something he was always interested in. So I love seeing that those mosaic designs and so many of his things. But yeah, the park is Park Gui is uh, pretty beautiful. It's a Nice uphill Well, how's the weather? Was it nice? Because when I went, it was super hot, and I was just like, it gets real hot in Spain, you know? So Yeah, it, uh, we had perfect weather. It was in the 60s and 70s the whole time. Sun was shining, no rain. So uh, photos were great, and it was great for sightseeing. Absolutely. Wonderful. Tell you what, one of the things that I love about uh, what you were just talking about, the broken up um, you know, tiles and, and uh, pieces that were put together, is um, that stuff keeps its color. Yeah. You know I mean, it doesn't get baked out in the sun or anything like that. And that's why these pieces just stay so vivid and amazing looking for so long. Yeah. Um, that's that. Yeah. That's one of the things that I absolutely loved about that place. Yeah. I, and that, that park, it has this mix of like a Candyland aesthetic. Yes. Yeah, they have those wonderful, but then there has like this Lord of the Rings in this image right here. You can see like these <laughs> sort of like stone like structures that it, it, it's, it's like m multiple personalities did it. Yeah, absolutely. I think he did mushrooms. That, that, that's just my, my personal opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, yeah, those pictures you were pointing out with the building yeah, you know, you know, like said, exactly like a mushroom. But, yeah. but what I'm just saying is, you know, this guy definitely, I mean, actually, I, I, I Googled it, and there's not that much, like, uh, raw data on the mushroom thing. So I'm happy that, you know, you told me, so I stopped spreading that. Because I don't know, anything <laughs> that's been in Barcelona, I tell him that Gaudi did mushrooms, and I show him that picture. So, <laughs> you know, I just, uh, it seems, it seems based on his history, it'd be seem hard to believe. But, yeah, <laughs> you never know. You never know, though. It is a natural thing, you know what I mean? And, and Catholicism was quite different than, you know what I mean? There's sacraments and, and you know, all these yeah. sort of things. So you never know, you know what I mean? But uh, That's true. <laughs> but yeah, no, Jim, but you know, it's pretty much come up on an hour, man. And, you, you know, I just want to thank you again for always coming on the show and uh, uh, entertaining us, man, and uh, giving some credibility to our show. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, love you guys. I'm always happy to talk and love hearing uh, what you guys are up to. And I appreciate you being supportive. Thanks for coming out to the show. Thanks for being part of it, Teach. Uh, you know, I've always been a, a fan of your work. So thank you both for uh, being part of it. I really appreciate it. And now you know more stories about Teach now, too, I mean, personal I, stories. You know what I mean? When <laughs> One day when you're talking about his art in Barcelona, you can say that, hey, when this artist was in Barcelona, he yeah, when he was a model. Crying game. 
when he was a model. I know this guy. He was a model. <laughs> Actually, he, he was more than a model. He was a Chippendales guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that's, that's for another time. <laughs> Um, Jim, I want to actually, uh, you know what, it would be cool to ask you to uh, help us get some high profile guests sometimes, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? I think it would be, well, after this whole thing blows over, I mean, maybe one day you c we can sit down and, uh, you know, maybe we well, can- Well, dude, now that we can do the Zoom, I mean, come on, anyone that turns us down to, to just sit at home and, and in front of their computer and do it on the Zoom, I mean, you know, screw these guys. Yeah, no, I don't want to. But the thing is, I want to. I want to talk to these people in person, Teach. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, it'd be cool. Hey, listen, okay. I just like to make one point when it comes to this. All right, Dave Navarro, okay, <laughs> legendary rock and roll guitarist, upcoming okay, street artist, showed up out in City of Industry, like you did, Jim. Yeah. Showed up forty-five minutes early. Well, there you go. He was there before I was there. I'm early. I get there early. Every time I get there early, I make sure I'm early. He was there before I, he was texting me going, hey, man, uh, where should I wait? I'm like, oh, my God, dude, you're already there? So my point is, if Dave Navarro can drive way out to the cinema industry for an hour interview, then come on. Anybody can sit on a computer and do this. That's true. Well, I mean, you know what, man? Dave Navarro, he's such a generous guy, man. Shout out to him. What do you, I mean, are you enjoying? Oh, well, you know what? We have to mention, though, if we mention Dave Navarro, is, is phasing out of being Dave Navarro. He's becoming life after death street. And, dude, let me just tell you, he is uh, prolific. And um, he is doing collaborations with a ton of different artists. And it's just helping him to grow. And, um, I mean, he's very fast becoming, you know, a uh, very well-respected force in the streets, man. That's cool. Jim, are you enjoying his work? Have you seen some of his stuff going up? Just curious. I'm going to put I you on the spot. <laughs> I've seen him pop up in other people's feeds. So I, I don't know Dave. I Like Stephen Levy, he's, I know he's done some stuff with him. So... I don't know enough about his everyone, work. man. Jeez. Yeah, that guy is <laughs> everywhere. I know. He sent me a text last night. He said he's the nicest guy, too. But uh, <laughs> I see Dave, um, I see Dave pop up in other people's feet and collaborating <laughs> with folks, but I don't know enough about his work in general. I just know yeah, I'm really enjoying his stuff. If you guys check out uh, check out Life After Life After Death Street. Or check out the 22 of uh, this podcast, actually. Um, we had him on and talked to us for an hour. Anyways, guys, so thank you so much. We always appreciate you, Jim, for coming on. And, uh, you know, where can we find you, man? Is there anything you want to promote? I mean, aside oh, yeah. from how, how can people get your books that we were talking about earlier? Well, I'm really excited right now because the new biography on Robbie Canal just published. And so <sighs> that just, it just came out. So... When this all blows over, we're going to have an LA Live Talks with me, Shepard, and Robbie, and which will be a really big event. I'll let you know. It was scheduled for nice. this summer, but we'll probably get it rescheduled. So once this thing blows over, we'll get some more hype and interest in that. But it's actually available now. I, some folks who pre-ordered just got it in the mail this week, and I just got some copies today. So it, oh, looks, it's, it looks so good. So oh, I'm so awesome. happy with it. It's so like four to add to our collection, man. The wife's going to be stoked, too. Yeah, it has every poster from his career. So oh, starting, sweet. 
starting with one he did before even Reagan that he did in the basement of, he, his studio was an occult gun factory on the East Coast. And, um, you know, he made a poster there with some college kids and then every poster since then is in the books. Plus it tells his whole life story, which is, his story is crazy. I mean, I know, I, you know, you get to live through someone's life and I've lived through his life now for a few years and it's pretty, it's pretty special. So I'm looking forward to that. And that's probably the biggest thing I'm promoting at the moment. Awesome. Dude, I definitely, definitely going to be adding it to my collection. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. You know, we're, we're, I mean, we're a bunch of dummies, but uh, we would love to do our, your, our podcast at your next uh, talk when, uh, you know, Shepard Ferry and all those guys are there too. And uh, you, you know, it, you see how easy we are. You just throw us outside, whatever we know, we're fine. Wherever, right? Yeah, I'll just set my computer on the stage right there. <laughs> Exactly. You know, we were actually security that night. We were like, oh, you can't come through here, you know. <laughs> you guys were blocking a whole side of the museum, so I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, Jim, anyways, so I just wanted, we're taking up so much of your time, but we wanted to thank you for zooming in, and uh, we appreciate you. And uh, um, at the end of the day, man, we'd love for you to come on again and just kind of share whatever you're promoting. Yeah, I appreciate Absolutely, that. Always. I'm always, always happy to and always help, always happy to help as well. We gotta send you some yeah. more stickers too. Uh, uh, you see that? You see that uh, uh, canvas in the back? Teach kind of did some stickers of those. So we're gonna have a sticker meetup. Hopefully, you can come up too. Uh, we'll oh, that'd be awesome. We'll get out of this mess. You know, you know what I mean. I saw him stenciling that uh, right before the museum show opened. It. Yeah, that's yeah. right. We made a bunch of little stickers, and hopefully, people will go out and bomb them and uh, keep uh, people aware of our show. You know what I mean? Cool. We charge for littering. That with the mustaches on them and everything. Yeah, no, I, that was actually my idea. Actually, you know, right. it was like nice right there, just how yeah. it was, and I was like, you know what? I hate my face. Actually, just put a mustache on it, please. And then, <laughs> Love it. Pop, you know what I mean? And then Teach went and did. He's like, I'm gonna do myself too. You know what I mean? So uh, it ended up being like a nice collaboration from our minds. You know? Very cool. That's awesome. I love it. We'll we'll give you some next time to see it too. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Take Good care. I hope you and yours and all those people around you stay uh, safe and smart and wash your hands. Yep, absolutely. To you as well. Stay safe and healthy and everyone out there, please do as well. Awesome. Peace, guys. Thanks, brother. All right. See you guys. Bye. And in the end.